Welcome to another Caring Support Podcast. This week, I'm really privileged to have uh, a lovely lady on this week that I I really like this woman and got tremendous respect for her. She's in the Ottawa area, uh, total rock star nurse, and it's amazing that she could uh, join us for this uh, podcast. We've been trying to get this lovely lady for a while, but she's been really busy. So, Mildred, uh, could you, if you could just do maybe a quick introduction of yourself, that would be great. Yeah, so I am Mildred Ababio. I'm a nurse um, by by profession. Um, not much to say about me. I like to stay um, outside of the limelight, but those that know me know that um, helping and caring is what I stand for. I give back to my community. I do a lot for um my peers and other nurses like me, because I have for a goal, which is um, better patient care and patient safety and everything that I do in terms of my profession and even in my day-to-day life, it's given back um, to these patients and given back to the seniors. So that is what I stand for. And that is all that I am um, about. I love to help and caring is a passion of, of mine. So yeah. I, I do that in every capacity that I can on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And and I know you're an exceptionally kind <laughs> and very, very smart person. And look at all the degrees on the wall behind you. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. I got a few questions, as you know. Sure. Um, yes. So, Mildred, if you could tell us a little bit about your immigration journey mm-hmm. and how you became a nurse. Okay. Well, um, the journey was quite uh, difficult, but um, lots of gains came out of it. So I am driven by helping and caring um, for individuals. And I truly believe that, you know, better care would lead to better health, which would lead to a better life in this context. The only way um, that I knew how to do that was becoming a physician. And being a second generation immigrant, um, culturally, the only way to do that to help people was becoming um, a physician because that's what is learned from your culture and that's what you know your parents um, teaches you. So for us, being originally from from Quebec, um, my parents struggle with you know, integrating into the system and having to navigate the system. So, you know, at a very young age, I was tasked of becoming, having the responsibility of becoming the interpreter for them and helping them um, navigating the system. And, you know, if they had to go to appointment and stuff like that. For me, in my personal um, experience, you know, at nine years old, I became a caregiver to my mother and I became a mother to my siblings. And because of the responsibilities that I had um, on me, when I was in school, um, I, I didn't have the chance to to have the guidance that I should have been given and didn't even know that there was something called um, student loans or uh, loans and bursary. So nursing became the closest um, profession that I could find that um, will allow me to do what I, I love to do best, which is helping and caring for individuals and positively contributing to their health. 
And, you know, nursing was also the only profession that allowed me to um, be able to fulfill my educational needs, as well as fulfill um, my obligation towards my family. And that is how I ended up going into nursing. And there's been no regrets. Um, if I had to do it, I would do it over again. But again, having parents that were immigrants that did not know the system and coming from a culture where, you know, there was value, more value given to physician and not nurses. Um, that is what I came to learn. And for me, that's why I thought being a physician was the only way that I could, um, contribute and have a meaningful impact in the lives of patients. So, that's how I ended up becoming a nurse and never look back. It's a noble profession. And I'm really glad and fortunate that I made that decision to become a nurse. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love your attitude on this stuff because <laughs> your nurses have been beat up and and, you know, and not treated with the level of respect that they absolutely deserve. And <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, people in general should always be respected. But, you know, when then you're in the capacity of helping others and then mistreated, like that's just so wrong. And <laughs> but, you know, uh, I love the way you think it's beautiful. So since, you know, we're talking about this now, let's let's go in a little more about your career. Maybe you could share with us what that journey's been like to become a nurse leader. You know, even worked as a nurse manager and director of care and long-term care and other uh, other areas. Yes, so it's been a fruitful one. Um, it's had it's up and it's down. I um, a bit of um, turbulation at time, but nothing stopped me from achieving my goal and attaining um, my end goal. I actually started my career. I was recruited when I was doing my diploma in nursing. Um, because I come from a different um, educational system as at the time I was in Quebec. So I was recruited to work in neurology and neurosurgery um, even before I completed my, my diploma. And when I finished, I started working. That's how I ended up um, working and starting my career, working for the McGill Neurological Institute and Hospital. After that, I ventured off um, to work as a flow nurse because I wanted to gather as much skills and competency um, under my belt. And I extended that to not only the unit, but I started working um, in different cities in different communities and in different provinces. So that path took me to working with exceptional people and exceptional organization. I've worked in very rural population. Um, I've worked with the Cree um, population and I've worked with big, big organization. Um, I am really grateful for that experience as it allowed me to have a diverse experience with a better understanding of both healthcare systems, so both the Ontario one and the Quebec one. I think this was the foundation that shaped my leadership style and allowed me to better serve the Canadian population when I shifted my career from you know, being a frontline type of nurse, being a travel kind of nurse and went into um, leadership. Um, this allowed me to hold different leadership position that I've held in the past and all the gains that I did at the 
very first half of my career, having worked with the different um, regions, the different organization really um, sharpened me, sharpened my skills, the competencies that I have to give the better version of myself to the organization um, that I'm working for. And again, um, all I strive for is patient, better patient care, patient safety, and, you know, not losing sight of the reason why I became a nurse, which was really to positively contribute to a patient's health and their overall um, health and well-being. Um, the other thing, too, that this has done for me, it's allowed me the opportunity once again um, to help others, to help my peers, to help colleagues and share this experience with them and uplift them and help them through their career um, journey or the career um, development. So I've been fortunate enough to given the platform and given the position that I've had to give back and channel back um, my gains and instill them in them and help them in terms of their career development and their career growth. Wow, well said. Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. I, you know, and I, I like that you come from all this diverse background. It's not just the knowledge, but you know, with all that stuff, you're gonna attain so much wisdom and you're going to be able to help so people. So I could see you being a great leader and you certainly, yeah, you certainly have empathy, and that is so beautiful. I'm a big advocate of emotional intelligence, and I, I constantly, yeah, I constantly try to say to people that it's really important to have empathy. It's really important to put yourself in the shoes of other people and be mindful and aware. So, thank you for sharing that. So, as a second generation immigrant, you understand that that experience uh, better than anyone in healthcare when it comes to being an immigrant. So mm -hmm. what are the challenges? What are some of the challenges that foreign healthcare uh, workers face in the sector, in healthcare, and how can they overcome them like you did? Well, um, there's a few, but just to name the ones that that stands out the most and that's constantly being echoed, um, I would say, and I, I, when I'm saying um, immigrants, I mean immigrants from all walks of, of life and, you know, um, different um, countries. Um, there's rejection, alienation, difficult, sorry, difficulty with integration, lack of opportunity for us that wants to climb the corporate ladder, and being seen as a perceived threat. So it's challenging and it's difficult. Um, how do you overcome that is by staying true to yourself, believing in yourself, standing for your morals, what you believe in, and your work ethic. And I always tell myself, and this is also what I tell my colleagues and my peers or anybody that's facing some of these challenges is, you know, every rejection is a redirection. And there is beauty to be seen in the eyes of a storm. So you could be going through a difficult period based on all of these things that I've mentioned, but there's gains, there's positive gains in every difficult situation. And one has to be willing 
to have that open mindset and leave the negative negativity in the back and see the positive because there is positive gains. And what you do is you take those gains and you use that as fuel and as drive to keep moving forward. You never take no for an answer and you never back down. Um, each stone that will be thrown at you, you just take that stone and you build your castle with it. And that castle is what's eventually going to turn into your empire. Um, one other thing that I would say is get yourself a mentor. In my time when I was faced with certain adversities, um, I didn't have a mentor. Now there's lots of um, people out there that are willing to mentor you. There's lots of organization out there that are doing lots of stuff for immigrant nurses, for newcomers um, that are helping you for the integration. Um, there's people that are um, willing to help you um, get to navigate the system that are willing to help coach and mentor you, work with you, look at what are your um, career aspirations and give you tips and resources to climb those um, corporate ladder if that's the direction that you want to go with. Networking is another big thing. And, you know, um, being part of association and organization, even if you're just at a student level, it doesn't hurt to know um, what's out there. Take part of different chapters, sit in on podcasts, but never um, dwell on the negative aspect because it's not just within healthcare. We, I mean, when we go through our walks of life, we go through ups and downs in life. There are certain periods in our life where we'll be faced with um, difficult situation, but to never look lose sight of the positive aspect of it. And, you know, in the long run, there are people that are willing to help you. Me, for instance, I've been fortunate enough that I've had um, one of these mentors um, that have helped me along the ways. And each one bring a different help in a different type of capacity. Um, you know, just to name a few, Sylvie Lucier, whom was the manager for the neurological and surgical unit that as a student, you know, reached out to me to say, Mildred, I've seen how you're working and I'd like to offer you a job. That is something that does something to somebody's confidence, especially when you're nursing, you're a student. Um, another one of them, Gail Campbell, she used to be my um, administrator when I was um, working for one of the city home and she took me under my under her wing and decided to mentor me and has been my mentor since then. There's lots of others um, that are there that have helped me throughout my, my journey. So it hasn't always been uh, negative. There's lots of positive gains. And like I said, even when it wasn't in the greatest light, I was able to see the beauty out of it and able to take, you know, the positive gains and turn that situation around and keep moving forward. What I say is keep persistent, keep persevering and be consistent and never lose sight of what is your, your goal that you're trying to reach. And right. for me, it's better patient care, patient safety, and how I can positively contribute to the overall healthcare system 
all the education that I that I've acquired, I paid for it out of my pocket. Never took a, a student loan or um, anything like that to help me. I worked hard and I paid for my education, and I'm proud of that. And what I want to do with all the knowledge that I've gained is to re impregnate those knowledge, those skills, those competencies with the organization that you know I work with in order to positively contribute, help the healthcare system help the patient and again, have a meaningful impact on their bottom line. So, you know, there is some challenges, but there's gains to be made out of it and not for anybody to be discouraged and to just um, stay true to their goals and to just keep moving forward and look for those resources, look for those organizations out there. The RNAO is there. The Canadian Black Alliance um, is there. Um, there's different chapters that you could join. So just look for those um, different organizations and resources that are available to you within your region and tap into it and network and mingle. You're going to see that magic will work itself. Absolutely. But you know what's a very important part of this, and you said it, it's the mindset. It's the you, if you go into this with an open mind and you go in for looking where the opportunity rather than dwelling on the problem, then, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to excel. But what happens, and this is absolutely evident in you, is you become a stronger character, a more beautiful person, more resilient, more wise, and you're able to help with all those lessons. I keep telling yeah. people, listen, with all the lessons you've learned, how can you use them to help other people? Exactly. Right? In our team, we have this great collection of amazing people. And and Joe, my main business partner, I'm going to say he's a mentor of mine because of his extensive experience. And um, and when we're up in Ottawa, you'll meet him. But we, uh, you're going to love him. But the thing is, uh, he's taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, I may have taught him some things because I'm this real relationship-based person who lives for networking yeah. and everything. But I love the guy dearly. Uh, you know, I love the whole team because we're doing something unified together and it's building everyone up. And yes. that's that's the point. OK, enough about me, <laughs> enough about us. Now, let's talk about foreign patients, uh, yeah. because now it's, you know, flipping the script a little bit. What do you think are the biggest challenges faced by immigrant patients, especially, I suppose, first generation? Uh, you know, when they enter either the healthcare system or senior care? You know, I was reading an article that was um, a study that was conducted by the CLRI and Breer. And, you know, just to give a little bit of stat, they were saying that 14% of the Canadian population is, as you're pretty much aware, is age 65 and over. And this um, portion is expected to reach by 23% by 2036. Now, out of that number, there's about 20% of the Canadian population that are foreign born. And this number is expected to grow as much as 28% by 2031. And the majority of the immigrant seniors, um, you know how it's been um, repartitioned. They lived in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. You know, in Toronto, there's about 32%. In Montreal, there's 11%. And in Vancouver, there's 12%. Why am I sharing this? It's just to show that there's been a change and there's been a shift. As you are aware, um, 
immigrants have different cultures that not necessarily meet the Canadian cultures. You know, a lot of people that come from African um, background or South Asia or Middle Eastern, you know, their culture is you keep mama and papa at home, granny and, you know, grandpa at home. It's, it's not something that you see in those culture that, you know, we're going to put or they're gonna put their loved one in um, nursing homes or retirement homes and so on and so forth. But now because of the shift and, you know, a lot of factors come to play um, into it, but we are starting to see um, these immigrant patient in our long-term care facility, in the retirement homes. And the transition for them is unfortunately quite difficult just because there's a culture shock. Um, you know, some of the stuff that I've seen is social isolation, malnourishment due to unfamiliar um, food, um, spiritual isolation based on their religious practice and if it differs, right? Lack of participation in therapeutic activities because, you know, what we think is therapeutic or you know, what we think it's it's beneficial is not necessarily something that they are familiar with or, you know, for example, if I were to take my grandfather and say that, you know, I'm going to put my grandfather in a long-term care facility and you ask him to play bingo, well, he wouldn't know what bingo is because culturally that's not a game that he grew up playing, right? Um, also, Another thing that's very difficult for these immigrant patients is their perceived view of healthcare providers and, and hospitals. You know, in certain cultures, there's certain discussion that is taboo. We don't talk about palliative care because the minute you talk about palliative care, it means that, you know, you're going to die. Or um, in certain cultures, you know, going to the hospital was really the last um, result. So these are things that are difficult and are challenging. And if I could share a, a, a recent example um, with you, there's a patient that comes from Somalia, a 50-year-old gentleman, and he has been, um, unfortunately, he sustained a stroke. He was at home now in this kind of um, people that come from this um, country, it's usually large families, right? So at home you have the wife and you know there's lots of children and this gentleman is relatively young, but because of the significance of his stroke and how it impacted him, the wife was no longer able to keep him at home. Unfortunately, she had to place him because his care need became quite, um, extensive and she was no longer able to support him at home and even the services that was being brought to them at home did not suffice. So he got placed into um, a long-term care facility. Now when this gentleman got there there was failure to thrive. His health started declining and that's because you know there was anger and fear and resentment on his part 
not understanding why he's been placed there, not understanding why he couldn't be at home with his wife and his children and why they couldn't care for him at home. He comes and the food is different. The activity is, is different. Now, you know, he has to conform himself to a certain routine, waking up at a certain hour, eating at a certain hour. Um, you know, in this culture, sometimes they eat with their hands. He can't really practice that because you're among other people that if you start eating with your hand, well, it's not quite well perceived. So immigrant patient, um, I'm starting to find now that they're starting to unfortunately um, come more and more into long-term care facilities and into retirement home, have a difficult time integrating. And I think we need to um, support them in those area and also support the, the families. You know, going back to my example, the wife was so guilt-ridden. She felt so bad that she had to put her, her loved one in this institution because to them, they see that as an institution and not necessarily a home. But again, she was conflicted and torn between the fact that she was not able to care for him and it became a safety issue. But at the same time, she couldn't live with the fact that she had to place him there. So these are the struggles that um, I am seeing with um, patients that have, that comes from immigrant um, backgrounds. Interesting. And that's probably a good segue because we only have so much time left, but mm -hmm. I really appreciate what you said. It was uh, it's very insightful because, you know, I think a lot of people are totally unaware and they're so used to our culture and our ways and that everyone's just going to integrate with that and conform to it. Um, so you you have a project to support immigrants and senior care and maybe yeah. you could tell us more about this and what you really aim to achieve. Well, you know, my overall goal, like I said, is providing um, better care, which would lead to better health, which will essentially lead to a better life. My project and my dream is creating an ecosystem of retirement home and group home that focuses on culturally sensitive care that is catered to individuals that belong to indigenous group that are BIPOC, um, that belong to the LGBTQ community or that belongs to uh, the Francophone community. In essence, I wanna create a, a supportive space for them to thrive um, in their health and have the opportunity to accompany them through, you know, their last bit in this journey that they're going through and allowing them the opportunity to be their true self and, you know, just live in their last days um, in the most beautiful grace, which will positively impact their health at a certain um at a certain level, but I think these um, these group and and these individuals that I've that I've mentioned, I think the beauty of it is being able to have a space that is designated to you, that is free of judgment, where you could really be your true self and really thrive. And you know, I think it's important for me to give back and and be able to have this designated um, place for them where you know it's culturally appropriate and just allow them to, to really be themselves without any judgment. And you know, 
uh, an example, you know, in certain communities or certain backgrounds or ethnicity, they eat on the, they sit on the floor and they eat. Well, in this space, in the dining area, there will be a space where if you want to sit on the floor and you want to eat and eat with your hands, well, you'll be able to without anybody looking over you or anybody whispering or anybody passing any form of judgment. Right, so that is uh, the project that I'm working on, and really, it's it's my way of saying thank you to these people for everything that they've been through, and it's my way of giving back to them. Yeah, that's beautiful, mm -hmm. and smart, and uh, you know, you're you have the perception to say this is happening, and we need to deal with it before it's a real problem. Definitely. Um, so we're gonna have to go soon, but I want to I want to give you the option if there's anything else that you'd like to add, maybe about yourself or the immigrant experience in healthcare, uh, and how it can be improved. Uh, anything at all? I think um, the healthcare system has made tremendous um, headways. I mean, there's now um, in Durham one of the long-term care facility um, that they're going to build is going to have a unit dedicated to um, Black people. I know that the Bria and alongside um, the CLRI, they've done a research in 2018, I believe, where they were starting to look at, um, you know, all of these things that I was talking about and how it was impacting the resident and what things that they could do to um, better support that. So I think the conversation, the engine is, is starting to run and the conversation has started, um, has already started. Definitely uh, more data and more research I would think would be needed on, on this topic to better help because whether we like it or not, we have arrived there, right? And yeah, just um, overall, that's what I would say. And I think we've made lots of gains. There's lots of work to do, but we've also made lots of gains. I think it's been a beautiful experience for me. It's been a beautiful journey. I've had the opportunities to help a lot of people um, along the way. Um, again, I love how this journey started because this is how I got to become a nurse and um, very noble profession and, and really proud of, of being a nurse. Um, and I would like to thank you guys for allowing me the opportunity um, to do and present on this podcast. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm sorry for the technical challenge that I had. You know how technology is great when it works. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, but Mildred, I, you know, you and I are friends, and uh, yeah. and and that's for good reason. I love to have amazing people in my life, um, and I'm looking forward to meet you in person. Uh, I'm going to give you a big hug for sure. Definitely. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I really respect, appreciate and admire who you are. You know, everything you've done, this journey you've done and uh, amazing uh, and good for you. So thank you so much for participating in our podcast. I know we do this because we want to bring value to our community. Definitely. And, yeah. And you are absolutely Thank you. Majorly Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you.